I mean, if you turn your Bibles, please, the book of uh, Colossians, the book of Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse number uh, 16 uh, this morning. You know, uh, I live, I live by myself, and I'm used to, uh, you know, just having everything, you know, how I like it, not really having to, to, to worry about uh, anything like that. And uh, it's always, like, uh, difficult when I go places and I have to, uh, to, uh, to stay with people. And, uh, and, and I always kind of get, get a little, little tense. You know, you walk in, you don't know what, uh, what, their, uh, what their rules are. You know, you don't know uh, if, you're staying, uh, if you're staying overnight, you walk into the bathroom. It's like, well, is this, a, is this a towel I can use or is this just a towel for decoration? You know, is this a chair I can sit in? Is this a chair just for decoration? And, and you start to worry about, are you going to, uh, to offend people? And it's, uh, I, I always have never really, the first time I stay, the first night I stay somewhere, I usually can't get to sleep because it's just so so unfamiliar. And um, as a matter of fact, I remember uh, I remember uh, one time I went. Uh, I was going to go on a cruise, and I was leaving out of uh, out of uh, Miami. And my roommate uh, from college, uh, well, one of my roommates, I, I ran through about five or six roommates when I was when I was in college. I was, I was hard to get along with. But, uh, but anyway, one of my roommates from college lived down there uh, in Florida, and he'd just gotten, uh, gotten married, and I'd been down there to, to see him before, went to, uh, went to their wedding. But uh, I called him up and uh, tell him I was coming. He said, hey, man, why don't you just come down tonight early and, uh, and stay with us, and, uh, and we can visit. And I was like, man, that'll, that, that'll be great. And, uh, and then uh, I, I hung up, and I was like, man, that was a bad idea because his wife's going to kill us. But uh, anyway, I get there. And uh, I flew in, and uh, I, I get in, and, and we have uh, we have a uh, supper, and went through the first hurdle. I was afraid they weren't going to have enough food to feed me, but uh, anyway, it comes time when they, they send me up to my room, and uh, I get my my suitcase, and I'm getting really to, ready to set in. And uh, this is just uh, after all the, uh, the the 9/11 stuff, and that was still going on, and they really didn't settle on a process for really how to handle and, and uh, go through baggage and tell you that they may have been, uh, that they may have gone through your baggage. So what they did this particular time is that they would, uh, after they had searched through your, your bag, they would close it and uh, they would take a zip tie in between those two zippers and just kind of close off that zip tie so nobody else could put anything else in there because it was already checked. And so I get down there, and I settle in, and I picked up my suitcase, and I'm getting ready to change, and I can't get in there because there's no, you know, there's zip ties on there, and I don't have nothing to cut this zip tie. And, man, I'm just going into panic to what am I going to do? And I'm already, already kind of nervous because I, I, I really don't get comfortable uh, standing in other people's house. I was like, well, I got to go downstairs, and I got to find something to cut this zip tie off. So uh, I, I walk downstairs, and I'm looking in the kitchen. I can't find nothing. And all of a sudden, I look over there in the corner, and they got one of those big, uh, one of those big, you know, knife blocks. You know, got this big block, and it's got like thirty knives in it. And uh, I reach in there, and not many of them sharp. But I look down there in the back, and there's like this big butcher knife. And so I reach up, and I pick up this big butcher knife, and I start walking up the stairs to these people who, uh, to my old roommate and this girl that probably doesn't really even know me all that well. And I was thinking in my head, I wonder what would happen if some of them come out and I'm just walking up their stairs with a butcher knife. You know, it can really be uncomfortable being a visitor and being a guest in somebody's house. And a lot of times that's the way our relationship with is with Jesus. We treat him like a visitor. We treat him like someone who's just sort of passing through. 
We treat them like with someone we just see maybe once a week. But we're going to learn this morning that Jesus doesn't just want to visit us, but rather he wants to dwell within us. So listen to what the Word of God says in the book of Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse number 16. It says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your heart to God. And whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, I pray as we think about what it means to uh, let your word dwell in us richly. Lord, I pray that we search our hearts and say, Lord, is your word really dwelling in us? Does it really sit in our hearts and apply our lives? And so, Lord, as we think about these words this morning, Lord, I pray that you'll speak to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, that's why like, uh, when uh, you come and uh, you visit somebody, uh, you know, like the first night, everything is, uh, is cool, but like uh, you think about relationships, you think about those people who, who live with you, you think about how that relationship changes. And that's what Jesus says to us this morning. He says, I want the word of Christ to dwell within you. What does the word dwell within you? That means it wants us to live inside of you. In other words, Jesus wants to move in. And you think about when you have relationships with certain people and they're just sort of visitors. And when they come in, everything's just sort of polite. You kind of let those uh, guests kind of do what they want to do. And a lot of times you'll say a phrase like this when they call me and they'll say, make yourself at home. But you really don't mean that, do you? You just really want to say that to really be nice. You'd be kind of getting upset if they started walking around and started changing things. You would get kind of mad if they were walking around and started taking down paintings and started moving things like that. You really don't mean make yourself at home, but rather you say that as a nicety, as a visitor. And as a visitor, when you walk into someone's house, you know, you kind of take certain things. You understand it's, it's their house and, uh, and their rules. And so if you walk in and they got that thermostat set on 80, you just got to sit there and sweat. You can't just say, you know, turn that down because you don't live there. And so there's like, a, there's like a distance as a visitor. But what Jesus says to us is that he wants to dwell. He wants the word of God to dwell in us. In other words, he wants to move in to our lives. He wants to move in. And you get that part in that relationship where he moves in. And when Jesus Christ moves into your heart and when Jesus Christ moves into your life, he starts looking around and he starts looking around and saying, look, that's got to go. He starts rearranging things. He starts changing things. And a lot of times those things make us a little unnerving. Sometimes those things make us a little scared. A lot of times those things make us upset. And just like when you have someone who moves in with you and someone who lives with you and you have fights and arguments about where goes what and what goes in and what goes out, there's going to be confrontation. And if Christ is truly inside our hearts, if he's truly dwelling within us, there's going to be conflict, right? There's going to be conflict between what I want and what Christ wants for me. Now, you can fight that all you want to, but you're going to lose every time, aren't you? 
So it said he wants to come and dwell within you. What does he want to come to dwell within us? He says, I want the word of Christ to dwell within you. The word of Christ. What does that mean? Well, it wants to draw our attention to two things. First of all, he wants us to draw to the word of Christ. And in Scripture, we have the very words of Christ. And so he wants us to understand, and he wants us to remember those words. And for some of them, uh, they may have actually heard Jesus speak. They may have actually heard some of his sermons. He says, I want you to take those words that he said, and I want you to let them live inside your heart. I want you to let them move in, and I want you to let them start making changes in your heart, in your life. And for us, we have the word of Christ written down. We have them in the scripture. We have them in the gospels. As Jesus came in and he spoke the words to us about how we should live, about how we should treat each other, and about our needs to repent. And he says, I want you to take those words and not just read them. I don't just want you to have a Bible study on them, but I want you to take what you're learning, and I want it to dwell in your life. I want to let you live in it. I want it to be in your heart to a part where it becomes part of you. So you think about the word of Christ, we think about the words of Christ as they're written down, but we could also think about how the word of Christ dwells in us through the person of the Holy Spirit. And it's the great thing for us when we see, receive Jesus Christ, we receive him inside our what? Hearts. And so it's not just an academic understanding, but yet we are inviting someone to come in and move inside our hearts and to live with us. And so when he comes inside our hearts, he begins to move inside. And he looks inside our hearts. And buddy, you think your, your apartment in college when you first moved out was pretty stinky and dingy and nasty. You should see the inside of your heart. You're talking about a rough place. You're talking about a place where all the dirty clothes are laying on the floor. You're talking about a dirty place where nobody's doing the dishes. You're talking about the dirty place where nobody's been doing any vacuum cleaning. You're talking about a dirty, nasty place when you talk about the inside of your heart. And if you say that, look, my heart's fine, my heart's clean, I ain't got nothing going on, you're deceiving yourself and you're lying to yourself. Because when we look inside the depths of our heart, when we think about our actions, when we think about our motivations, when we think about our anger, when we think about our rage, when we think about our hatred, when we think about our lust, when we think about our, our uh, wanting and desiring other people's things, our hearts can be dirty places. And when Jesus comes inside our hearts, he says to us, you know what, we got to do some cleaning around here. We got some things in this heart that's got to go. We got some things that need to be picked up. We got some neat things that need to be tidied up. We got some things that need to be boxed up and taken out to the trash and never come back into this place again. And that's why so many of us don't allow the word of Christ to dwell inside of us. 
Christ is merely just a visitor. We see him on Sunday. We come say, hey, we'll sing some songs, we'll read some scriptures, and we'll see him next week. We'll let him be a visitor. You know, when I need uh, a lot of people, you won't have come over to your house, but if you need them, you'll, you'll call them, let them come over. Hey, I need you to come fix this. I need you to come help me with this. And so when we need Jesus, we'll call, and we will have them over. And, of course, after we get done with, well, after he gets done with our project, and if we, after we get done with what we need him for, we say, okay, Jesus, time to go. And Jesus says, uh-uh. Jesus says, my word and my Holy Spirit has come to dwell in you. I've come to live in your heart. I've come to take up residency. I've come to make you new. He says, I want the word of Christ to dwell in you. And then there's that word, richly. What does that word, richly, mean? I, I kind of looked it up, and uh, there was a... Uh, there was a, one of the definitions and one of the explanations that kind of struck home and made a lot of sense to me. It means to have in abundance because it's of great value. And I think about us as a nation today. We are a rich people. And how do we know that we are a rich people? We have and we want everything in abundance. You think about when uh, us, we go to a restaurant or we go to a place and we go to get a steak. I don't want no little steak. I want steak in abundance. I want a lot of it. And you think about a lot of the people who go to get the fancy coffee, get the, the Starbucks, get the espresso. You know, those people where they came from over there in Italy, they come in those little cups because it's just this little bit of a fine coffee. You don't need much of that. It comes over here to America and Starbucks says, uh-uh, we don't want just a little bit of coffee. We want it in abundance. We go to the store, and we don't want to just buy one roll of toilet paper, do we? We'll go to the Sam's, and we'll buy a truckload. We have it in abundance. In everything that we have in this nation, we have in abundance, except, of course, common sense. But everything else we got in abundance, and that's really the problem. That's why we're so fat. That's why we're so addicted to things because we have so much that are available to us and we can have anything that we want that we overuse it and we overwork it. But what Christ says for us is that I want the word of Christ. I want my word to dwell within you, to live inside of you richly. That means in abundance. So we got a lot of TV. We got a lot of coffee. We got a lot of food. We got a lot of this, and we got a lot of that. But I don't think any, many of us have an abundance of the Word of God living inside our hearts. Well, how do you know? Well, I can just look around. I can look at my life. I can look at what's going on around here. I can look at what's going on in McGee. I can look around at what's going on in Mississippi. I can look around what's going on in the world, and I can see there is not a, an abundance of the Word of God living inside of our hearts. Why? Because 
we don't perceive it to have value. We value gold. We value prestige. We value friends. There's all types of things that we have value for. And since we have value for those things, we seek to accumulate more and more of those things. And we live our lives to accumulate more and more of those things. And we will spend our time to accumulate more and more of those things. We'll spend our money to accumulate more and more of those things. But we do not desire the Word of God because if we did, we would accumulate it. We would take what we have in order to have more of it in our life. Jesus says to us that he wants us to live and that he wants us to have the word of Christ to dwell within us richly. He says he wants us to be absorbed in it. He wants Christ to be absorbed in our hearts. He wants Christ to move into our lives and take over us and change it. And he wants all of Christ in abundance more and more in our hearts, in our lives, and accumulate it more and more each and every day. And then he wants us to let it out. He wants us to let it out. You know, that's where a lot of us messed up as Christians. A lot of us will come and we'll accumulate knowledge about God. We'll absorb all types of wisdom about God. And we can say all kind of great things about God and Christ and how we should, should live and what we should do, but we really rarely let it out in our lives. But that's what Christ has for us to do, for us to absorb his word into our heart and let, us, let it change us on the inside and then let it go out, to go out of our lives. That's what these other, uh, other verses were, were about. And it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. He says, I want you to use how Christ has changed you. I want you to take that knowledge, and I want you to take that wisdom, and I want you to use it to teach and admonish one another in wisdom. He says, I want you to teach one another. In other words, I want you to share not only what you have learned in Christ by what you have read and what you've studied, but yet I want you to teach people about Christ and how God has changed your life and how he has affected your life because that's truly what teaching is all about. We could talk about things that we've read in the book. We could talk about some things that some other people said and some other people experienced. But when I hear how it's changed your life and when you hear how it's affected my life and when I see it in your life and when you see it in my life, then that's really what teaches it because I see it and you see it and you realize, hey, that works. He says, I want you to teach. I want you to take what I've done in your heart and your life and to teach it to others, and admonish them. Now, admonishing can be kind of tricky because admonishing means that when you see other people, when you see someone who is not walking in the way that they need to, when you see a believer who's doing something that's contrary to how Christ would have us to live, then you gently and lovingly tell them that they're not doing right. 
but we kind of have a treaty as Christians, right? Right, we've kind of come to a ceasefire. We got us an agreement. And you know what that agreement is? You don't say nothing about what I'm doing. I ain't going to say nothing about what you're doing. And everybody's good, right? And that's really been the tenor of how we engage one another. Now, people may get up on pulpits, and they may speak out against this. They may get up on TV and say what they are for and what they are against. But in our interactions with individuals, with our interactions with the people that are surrounding us, that we could actually impact our life, we sort of live under the trees, under the agreement, under the ceasefire, that if you don't say nothing about me, that I don't say nothing about you. Because I'm not going to say anything about your life because if I start talking about your life, you're going to start talking about my life, and I don't want to make no changes. And as we do that, we as a church and we as Christ's body gets weaker and weaker because we're not allowing Christ to do his work in our hearts, in our lives. We still have our beliefs. We still have the things that we say, but in how we live our lives, we're no different than anyone else around us. So we use Christ's wisdom in the way that he lovingly changed us in our lives to change the life and the lives of the people who are around us. Remember Jesus' first message, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. The first thing we had to understand for us to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ was to understand that we are actually sinners. And a lot of times people coming to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ is to acknowledge and to help them to see that there is something wrong with their life and how they live it. It's Christ. Is his word not only in you, but is it also pouring out of you? And then he tells us this familiar verse in 17. In whatever you do. Notice that. Whatever you do. You know what whatever means? Whatever. Whatever you do. Everything that you do. In other words, it's not just talking about religious activities. It's not just talking about Sunday or Saturday or when you're with the church people. It's not talking about, hey, there's a, you know, there's, there's religious things on here and then there's secular things on here and we kind of have different sets of rules for everything. But it says whatever you do. In other words, that Jesus has a say in how you conduct your life in whatever you do. He has something to say the way you spend your money he has something to say about the way you do your job. He has something to say about how you treat other people. He has something to say about the way that you vote. He has something to say about the way that you drive your car. He has something to say about everything. He wants a control of all your life because he is king of kings and lord of lords, and that includes every aspect of our life. He said, whatever you do in word or in deed. I know for me as well as you that we need to give God's word more attention in the words that we use, in the words that we speak to other people. 
and that not only do we need to bring our actions under the subjection of God's word, but we also need to bring our words under the subjection of God. Because we just don't know how to talk to each other no more, do we? And you can't even go to Walmart without almost killing somebody, huh? Because of what we say. You know, you can't even look at somebody strange anymore, buddy. Somebody, somebody goes crazy. You know, you come to say somebody like a good morning, and they're like, what'd you say to me? Whatever you do in word and deed, do what? Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do everything in the name of the Lord. What does that mean? We do everything. We do everything because it's what Christ told us to do. We do everything because we are his representatives. Why do we honor our father and our mother? Because they're worth honor? Yes, but also because we do it because that's what Christ told us to do. We love our enemies. Why? Because they're good people. No, they're our enemies. But we love them because Christ told us to do. We do it in his name. And you're saying there's so many people around me that aren't worthy of love. They're not worthy of kindness. They've done this to me and they do that to me. Our actions towards other people aren't determined by what they have done to us, but how we are responding to Christ's love for us. And how did Christ love us? That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we think about the love that Christ showed us, that's the love that we should uh, spore out of him. Because of what Christ did for us, then we should obey him. And what has he called us to do? He's called to show love and kindness to everyone around us. Why don't we do good at our job? Is it because my boss is good and I got a good company? No, maybe your boss is sorry and your company's sorry. But we work in the way that Christ wants us to do because we do it to honor Christ. Now, if I do things to people just because they do back to me, do good to me, then what good is that to me? So if I do good to you, and you do good to me, then, then there's no reward in that. You know, I do good to you, you do good to me, and it's, it's kind of a nice, nice thing. But when we do good to those who harm us, when we do good to those who aren't necessarily loving towards us, when we show kindness to people who show, don't show kindness to us, when we show honor to people who aren't worthy to honor, they're not going to pay us back, but the Lord Jesus Christ will honor us because of what we do. And so we work and we live this life not to do things because it gets us honor from other people, but we do it because the Lord loves us and he has commanded us to do that. And he promised us that he sees us. He sees when we do good things. He sees us when we fill these shoe boxes. He sees us when you show kindness to the people around us. And the world may not honor it, but the Lord Jesus Christ sure will. 
And the Lord can honor us in ways the world just can't, right? The world may be able to give us some riches, but the Lord can give us peace. The Lord can give us riches beyond our imagination. He can give us things that the world just can't give. And so we live our lives to do everything in the way that would honor the Father. So what has Christ called us to do is for us to have his word to come inside of us and to live and to change us and to mold us and to take what God has given and to take what God has shown us and to take with what God has blessed us with and let it pour out of us into this lost and dying world. Is Christ dwelling in you, or is he merely just a visitor? I pray that you accept the Lord in your heart to live inside of you and pour out of your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the things that you've blessed us with. And Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, not only what we have in Scripture, but also your Holy Spirit as it lives inside of us. And Lord, we pray that in each and every one of our lives, Lord, we will let you just dwell within us. Lord, that we will allow you to mold us and to shape us and to change us. And Lord, we take this new heart we take this new life that you've given to us and let it be seen and let it be known by every work and deed that we do here upon this earth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and sing.